0: Welcome to Venture Boldly, an Alter podcast. Each week, we host inspiring conversations with game-changing entrepreneurs, investors, and operators, building and scaling the tech ecosystems of Latin America, South and Southeast Asia, Africa, and the Middle East. At Alter Global, we are a different kind of Silicon Valley venture capital firm. Beyond returns, we are guided by a belief in the power of tech unicorns rather than traditional foreign aid to completely transform nations. Our founders are role models in the making, catalyzing the next wave of ventures in their communities. Our entrepreneurs are not just building their companies, they're building their countries. Our
1: next guest is Jerry Jackelman. Jerry is co-founder and CEO of a phenomenal FinTech startup named Clara. Clara is a payments management solution headquartered in Mexico City that launched at the beginning of COVID. And by the time this episode airs, the news will be out that they are now the youngest unicorn in Latin American history. The Alter team has spoken with Jerry since the very beginning of his journey with Clara. Through countless WhatsApps, emails, and even face-to-face during our Alter Fellowship Orientation Weekend in Mexico City, where Jerry was kind enough to host us at the Clara offices for a company presentation. Today, Jerry walks us through his origin story, his entrepreneurial endeavors in both the US and Mexico, some of the elements that led to Clara's impressive growth, the shifts that he sees in the Latin American tech ecosystem, and what it means, what it really means to become a founder of a high growth startup. Without a doubt, Jerry is an incredible entrepreneur full of interesting perspectives and learnings. I certainly found the conversation valuable, and I hope you will too. Well, hi, Jerry. I'm super happy to have you here. Being from Latin America myself, I'm particularly excited about you as a guest and to tell the Clara story and to tell your story and what are some of the learnings that you've had in this entrepreneurial journey.
2: Yeah, thanks. Uh, Great to be here, Anna. Good to see you again.
1: Well, why don't we start with your background? Where did you grow up? What were your parents like? Were they entrepreneurs?
2: So I grew up in Mexico, more specifically in Monterrey, which is a big city in the north of the country. You know, a lot of the country's big corporates are headquartered there. There's you a know, big tradition of family businesses and enterprises and just like a lot of pride in in your work and kind of you know, that's a culture that I grew up in, you know, there's a city that's like very entrepreneurial in nature. And in that context, you know, I, I did as well about as well as a kid can do, you know, like scholarships, kind of the whole way through, you know, definitely my, my parents made their sacrifices early on to put the best opportunities in front of me. And, and you know, I always was very aware of that. And, that and, you know, I looked at you know, the environment, the context around me, and I saw that there's still such an equal opportunity access to opportunity and as i was reaching adulthood i you know kept thinking about what was it that i could do to you know, make an impact, to help my community, to help, help my society be able to deliver better outcomes, better quality of life. And we lived also particularly close to the U.S. border. And so, you know, we would travel with, with some frequency and kind of like that difference between you know, the average life that was possible in Mexico compared to what we saw in the U.S. was always very striking for me. And so as it came time to decide like where to go to university it disappointed my parents who would have wanted me to go to Tec de Monterrey which is actually where the two of them had met which is like a sort of a, a, a university that's modeled after MIT and the US a bit and you know I would say it's like the MIT of of Mexico. But instead, you know, I I had other plans and I I thought that maybe it would be actually through public policy that I would be able to have the the most impact, most positive impact. And, you know, curiously enough, Jesse from Alter, who's uh, my friend from business school, you know, I think also has ended up combining this kind of business side with an interest in public service and public policy. So, you know, back then, I, I, you know, very much thought this is what I, uh, I'm going to do. You know, I applied, accepted, uh, going to, to Yale for undergrad. Didn't have other places, you know, like an MIT or a Stanford, on my radar, like, at all, which is funny to me, given, you know, the, the turns that, that life has has taken. And it was because, you know, there was a school that had this, like, public policy orientation. Like, back then, several, of, like, the U.S. presidential candidates had, or presidents themselves, had, had gone to Yale. You know, a lot of folks who were, who had important roles in in Mexican politics, former President Cedillo himself, you know, he's been there for the past 20 years. Yeah, I mean, I set out to New York and New Haven and very much thinking that that's what my life was going to to move towards. And there's, there's a bunch of small experiences that I could talk about that kind of ended up creating this like bigger shift for me and realizing that, you know, actually the political arena, the political world can be pretty messy. And on the other hand, there's this startup ecosystem or, you know, this possibility of actually like dreaming a future and bringing it to the present that, you know, just hadn't really crossed my mind before when I thought about the way that business was done in Monterrey, where I grew up, where it's, you know, reinvesting profits and like very slowly, like growing something over time. What I think is especially attractive about a startup is that you can kind of like leapfrog into the future that way. So, I guess I would say like, as a result of you know, several experiences that added up during college, I ended up kind of reorienting what I wanted to do with my life to become an entrepreneur.
1: Amazing. Thank you, Jerry. That's awesome. And can you tell us a little bit about what was the aha moment of Glada? How did you get inspired to start Glada?
2: well for Clara itself it's a you know much more recent development so you know after college and working consulting paying for a couple of years, I started my first company in Mexico and for that time over 10 years ago at this point very different time to be starting a company in the region I, you know back then I you know basically started this company with my savings from consulting and you know, got a little bit of money from, Friends, or I guess they would call them angel investors uh, in the US, especially. And then the Chilean government started the Startup Chile program. And so I literally like moved myself to Chile to get another like forty thousand dollars to like keep funding the business. Uh, and it was just, you know, a time to be like really scrappy. And we had a relative success, you know, got some recognitions. We were able to you know, eventually like expand our operations to, to more than one country, even. But I realized that I wasn't really having the impact at scale that I that I was after and so I spent this mid part of my career trying to learn as much as possible building my experience in in Silicon Valley essentially right so I went to business school and then I you know, worked in in the Bay Area for a few years as an exec at a few different companies. The last of which actually we built a, a spend management solution that not, you know has there's some overlap with what we do uh, at Clara, and definitely opened my eyes to what was possible. And you know, there are other solutions there that I used. And then I contrast that. You know, again going back to the theme of like contrasting what's available in you know more developed country to what's still uh, available in You LATAM in the emerging market context, I came back to to Mexico basically to help found this micro-mobility company that grew super quickly across the entire region of LATAM. You know, within a year, we went from being in one city to 25, seven countries across the region, like 3,000 people employed by this company. And one of the things that was just like super striking was how we just didn't have the tools to match the agility that we had and we wanted to have with just like proper financial management financial controls and there are pains there kind of across the entire spectrum from kind of employees having access to funds and whatever they spend being properly logged not having to spend like 10 percent of their work time basically on on, you know menial tasks and chasing receipts etc to managers with their budgets you know understanding how they're executing against those to just you know Things that should be simple like closing books or having real-time visibility over company's cash situation, being able to report this to key stakeholders internally or externally like investors. And you know, all of these things in different ways were, were broken and we saw how badly this affected the company, the company's performance, the company's outcome ultimately. And you know, for me, for my friend, my co-founder, Diego, And a lot of our early team, actually, who were all part of this other company before starting Clara, this was like an obvious thing that that needed to be solved. You know, we had felt the pains ourselves and we knew the kind of impact that, that it could have. You know, if we could help a company like Grow Mobility be more successful, then we can also help many other companies across the region be more successful, be more effective at what they do. And you know, in the context of you know, every company in some way is competing globally as well, we want to like not just level the playing field, but even, you know, help the companies here be as competitive as possible so that they can create more, better jobs, better opportunity. That's what motivates us every day.
1: Amazing. That's very inspiring. So you're obviously a veteran entrepreneur. Can you tell us about what the ecosystem in LATAM looks like now compared to five to ten years ago when you first started? And does that affect the way in which you're building Clara?
2: Absolutely, it totally does. It's uh, you know, back then, you know, you didn't have any of all of the ingredients that are critical for uh, an entrepreneurial ecosystem. Now it's start with Looking at the man in the mirror, looking at yourself and and realizing, hey, you know, I had some good experiences when I started my first company uh, some time ago. You know, I'd gone to good schools, done well, you know, had some consulting experience, etc. When I look back at who I was back then and, you know, how I would make decisions you know i feel much better prepared uh, today than i was back then and i think you know starting with with your own self and, and you know trying to learn as much as possible from the best and like putting yourself in a context you know like i tried to very intentionally uh, you know going to silicon valley or you know now that there are you know more great companies springing up in in the region you know you can work with or with a, for a company here and and, and then use the learnings to start something you know i think that's, you know, one place where I would start and say, I feel much better prepared. And I see, you know, at my peers, my friends out there, a lot of the ones that are being especially successful have also gone through similar experiences, whether it's abroad or, or going through now, you know, cycles of, of companies that have, you know, already been successful in different ways here. And they've learned from those schools, so to speak, and, and, and as a result, they're much better entrepreneurs. Secondly, you know, very importantly, capital, you know, I was mentioning a bit earlier how, The way we started the company was by basically putting all of my life savings to that point uh, into this and then, you know, scraping by. Relatively small checks from here and there. But what that ends up doing is that you can have this like big vision of you know what the company's gonna be and the impact that it's going to have. But the reality day to day is that you're just, you know, scraping by, you're just surviving, certainly like not even taking a salary myself and always just like struggling to convince people to take very meaningful pay cuts to to join the cause. And then eventually you end up competing against global companies that don't have any of these handicaps, and it just you know ends up becoming quite an, an uphill battle. And you know, the way I what I, I would describe what we had to be back then is like a cockroach. Like you have to do like whatever you had to do just to survive and just fight another day. And you know I think we did that very well, but it also means that you end up becoming a small business and not a venture, a startup as we would understand it, which is all about kind of that potential future, potential impact that it can have. And finally, the third ingredient that's super important is talent, right? And, you know, I think just as entrepreneurs in LATAM now, I think on average have gone through uh, some more experiences. One thing that's really inspiring about the ecosystem today is that there's a ton of talent that wasn't there 10 years ago that also, you know, has, you know, learn how to do sales and marketing, and you know, a lot of engineering talent. You know, really, really talented people here, and also folks who you know have started their careers elsewhere. Say, like, not in tech, not in in startups, but that you know are now seeing what's happening and are open to, and in many cases, really excited to actually to participate in in this revolution even that that's happening. And so, uh, you know, on our team, we, we're you know very fortunate to have folks who have worked at some of the best companies out there, you know, like consulting firms like McKinsey, Bain, BCG, you know, who have gained experience at amazing companies, startups, you know, some of them local, others kind of global, like, you know, at Didi or Uber or Rappi, which is, you know, almost global in, in some ways, but also even just, you know, executives from big corporations. Like, you know, we've made a couple of senior hires recently, a couple of very senior folks who, who joined the team, like Andreas uh, Waldman. Waldman is our CMO. Uh, he used to be the CMO at Citi Banamex. So this is like Citibank Mexico, Mexico, you know, one of the largest financial institutions in all of LATAM that sort of thing, it didn't happen 10 years ago. And, you know, now because all of these ingredients are coming together, it actually creates a very unique moment in time for the regions and very unique opportunities. And it's a, you know, tremendously exciting time to be an entrepreneur over here. And, you know, in in some ways it can feel like, Hey, you know, the success that, that we're having or other companies like us are having is, is, Coming out of nowhere, from my perspective, you know, this has been the work of, you know, 10, 15 years in the making.
1: That's so cool. It's absolutely incredible. The LATAM region tech scene is absolutely booming. And definitely when you start seeing these people from successful established companies move into tech startups as opposed to these big corporations, that's definitely when you know that something is really changing. That's awesome. I'm curious to hear some cool stories about Clara, like you guys are having impressive growth. You guys started just at the beginning of 2021. And I'm curious to hear what's something interesting you learned from signing your first 100 users to how it probably just differs from your latest 100
2: Yeah, I mean, one of the fun things that I guess we've seen play out is like that idea of, you know, like crossing the chasm and how do you start becoming uh, more mainstream just in this year since we've been live, we've very much seen that ourselves where our first hundred customers were mostly companies that we already knew, you know, folks that are friends or friends of friends or, you know, share some kind of network with us. You know, a lot of the early customers were were other startups. At this point, you know, we were looking to end the year with uh, 2000 companies already using Clara. And so uh, it's been really great to see how, you know, like word starts to spread organically. Like we still get, you know, a lot of new business from customer referrals they say like hey so and so that you know uh recommend it clara to us and that's like a really cool thing to see and increasingly you know it it feels like you start becoming more mainstream because it's you know companies that maybe you've never heard about or companies that you know are great Big enterprises. I never thought that we would be closing them within our first year, but it tells you about kind of the big need, the big opportunity out there for for what we're building. And so I think that that kind of transition from like, hey, to start with like an initial core set of users who just like really kind of already understand what you're trying to do, and and you know are going to be early adopters, and seeing how you know we we're starting to break into the mainstream in, in a very real way. That's been really cool.
1: That's awesome. And you guys just signed a partnership with MasterCard. That's huge. Can you tell us a little bit about what are the implications of that partnership for your customers, for your company in general?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, this is uh, another one of those things that in in one way or another has been in the works since we started Clara. One thing that maybe a lot of people don't know is that we actually spent a good nine months between research and and development of our product before putting it out there in the world. And that's because we have our own proprietary processing stack. Everything that you interact with at Clara essentially is like put together by, by our own engineering team. All of it is a local engineering team here in LATAM. I mean, we have folks in Mexico and Colombia and Brazil increasingly. One of the kind of the last pieces there to having kind of full control over that experience was having our own license for issuing credit cards, which is something that is generally uh, not very easy to get because it requires convincing the the schemes like a Visa or MasterCard that you're trustworthy and you know what you're doing, you know how to manage this, you know, there's some like costs and work associated with just managing that license. And usually uh, among the formal requirements is like, you know, many years of audited financials, et cetera. So, you know, this is something that getting this early in our company's uh, trajectory is super valuable and really important because of what it allows us to do. So it means that we are able to operate without a an intermediary bank or sponsoring financial institution. You know, we are the issuers of the credit cards themselves. You know, if you look on the back, basically says, you know, issued by by Clara or on the Mastercard license, or you know, our legal entity name. And so this, with this, we can guarantee the stability of our service, which is super important. We can also increase the pace at which we are innovating. You know, there's a bunch stuff that we're working on that will be released in the next few months, that's value add, like being able to connect your card to Apple Pay or Google Pay on, you know, some additional security features around the cards, just being able to guarantee the highest acceptance rate on the card that whenever you, you're you out there and you're using the card that it's going to get accepted. And, you know, we have a around like 99% acceptance rate out there. And, you know, we, in the cases where it's not accepted, like we have a lot of control over like having interactions with kind of the other party where when something might be getting stuck. And so like we're really obsessive about uh, that point in particular and, and having our license is really critical to maximize kind of the, the core user experience. And then finally it also means that we can accelerate our expansion throughout Latam and in, in this coming phase. And again, don't need to have a sponsoring bank in each one of the new countries where we operate while being able to operate a local card in each of these countries right so for mexico or mexican customers we have a local mexican card optimized for the mexican market for mexican companies needs for you know, acceptance rate in local merchants for brazil where we're about to announce our expansion you know it'll be the same optimized for for Brazil, for Brazilian customers for Brazilian companies, that's really cool because we'll be able to provide like a really deep experience, but be able to do so across multiple countries, you know, basically within a year of launching our product. And when we look out there at you know, like which companies are doing something like this, like operating in multiple countries on local infrastructure across LATAM, pretty much like Nubank is a name that comes to mind. But essentially, none other. So it's actually like really impressive what the team has has been able to do. And, you know, it's required like putting around the table the, the right people, the right talent. And, you know, I think they, yeah, the team has just put in a ton of effort to get this out as, as soon as we have.
1: Absolutely. You know, your story is absolutely impressive. And the speed at which you guys have grown and just the years and years of learnings that you've accumulated throughout your years of being an entrepreneur. I'm wondering what advice would you give to budding entrepreneurs in Mexico, Chile, Argentina, Brazil, or other emerging markets around the world?
2: I would say that there's sometimes this idea that like entrepreneurship is about being your own boss. And I, I think that's a very flawed idea if what you're after is building you know, a high growth, very high impact startup because if you want to be your own boss and probably the kind of business where you actually do end up being more of your own boss is a kind of smaller business consultancy any kind of like kind of the smaller business when you're doing a high growth startup you end up having a lot of bosses one way or another you know even if it's not formal you end up taking on a lot of responsibility right you know there's all of these people who are joining the cause and who you know are doing it because they believe in the vision for what the company can be and they believe that you know they're coming into a context where everyone's going to put in that extra effort and all of their skill and talent to, to make that what is usually an unlikely an improbable outcome happen you know you have investors who you know are expecting a big outcome and you know we also seek out investors who, who want those big outcomes and are, are aligned with that but you know as a result you know it creates high expectations and given that we are in an early wave of investment in LATAM, like we also see it as a responsibility that, hey, like we need to make this happen and we can make this work because this can be transformational for the region. Whereas if we don't succeed, it's not going to help bring about that kind of uh, sustained revolution and growth, you know, further investment into, into companies like ours. And then there's our customers, right? Like, you know, our customers have high expectations. You know, we have extremely high expectations for kind of the level of service and experience that our customers should receive and you know it's only through gaining our customers trust and, and keeping it over time that, that we can be successful and so we end up having a lot of bosses a lot of pressure maybe you know the most that could be said is that we have somewhat control over our schedule but that schedule is either way like filled up with so much that that needs to be done right and it, it never stops and so i think i think you have to to kind of appreciate what you're getting into and getting into it for the right reasons. And and I think often the right reasons are, there's something here that you feel like really needs to be in the world and that if you don't do it, you know, it's not gonna get done. It's It's not gonna get done the right way or at the right time. If you don't have that like fire in your belly of like, this needs to happen, I need to do it. Then I would say, you know, it's okay to also, you know, join a different company that you do feel that passionate about even if you're not a founder yourself and you know in my own trajectory i can talk about you know being an early stage employee and then a founder and then being an exec at early stage companies and then a founder again and for me that's a very seamless very natural transition because it's not it's really not about the ego and it's about you know where can i be where can i be to have the, the most impact and you know Learn the most and and put myself in the best position to do great work throughout the rest of my career. Yeah.
1: Awesome. Thank you, Jerry. I totally agree. I mean, being an entrepreneur might sound very glamorous, but in the end, you hire people that you want to be smarter than you at what you're hiring them for. So in the end, yes, you start becoming a server to them to investors. And in the end, you also have to think about you becoming a sort of role model for the people in your country or your region, like you were saying. Yeah, that's amazing. Well, thank you so much, Jerry. We're so excited. And this was such a cool conversation. And I'm sure all of our listeners we'll get good nuggets of of knowledge and learnings from you. So thank you.
2: You No, great to share this morning with you and I love what you guys are doing at at Alter, so keep it up.
0: (laughs) Thanks. Thanks for joining us on another episode of Venture Boldly. We'll be back soon, so be sure to subscribe so you don't miss any new episodes. To learn more about our ventures or meet our team, You can visit our website at alter.bc. That's A L T E R.bc. We'll catch you next time on Venture Boldly, an Alter podcast.